0: Wukosi Marivate, or should I say Dr. Wukosi Marivate, you forgot to tell me that I needed to bring a urine sample and a blood sample because flipping the heck. That's all they didn't ask for <laughs> at the entrance there, man. The security is hectic up in here.
1: Yeah, we are, we have a lot of different units at the CSR, and some of the things that people work on here is either like you know top secret, classified, and at the same time, I think parts of the CSR is like a national key point, so people have to be authenticated. We need to know who they are. So, yeah, normally it's just your ID, not any, if somebody did ask you
0: for bodily yeah, <laughs> <poly-ly>
1: fluids. Uh, <laughs> so, no, 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 So I can ask them <laughs> what they were doing.
0: So, no, 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 So I'm, I'm kidding. Everyone listening to this, guys, don't, you don't need to bring a vial of, of something in, in your car when you come visit. But, man, better have some ID and, uh, and come early if you've got an appointment because clearly they're not going to let you in in jail. Yep, that's true. So yeah, so I'm walking up the stairs to your office. Firstly, the campus is beautiful. It really feels like um, a university campus I grew up on in the Philippines when I was much younger. So green and, 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 you know, it's kind of layered and all. So it just feels like there's a lot happening. It just feels like a lot of – feels like, right? I haven't been inside any of the buildings or anything. I'm just driving around and it feels like a lot of smart people solving a lot of important things you know and then you you you, i meet you outside you bring me inside and you're pointing to that building over there across from you guys here apparently there's like uh stuff to do with home affairs and 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 uh, just give me a sense give give a sense to someone listening to this uh what the vibe is when you drive onto this campus what you see the sights and sounds no one seems to really know what the csr does actually
1: Yeah. So uh, the CSR is a research organization. So it's a government lab basically uh, made up of different units and groups in here who work on on different problems. Uh, The the Pretoria campus, where we are right now, is the largest campus in the country. This campus is um, in Durban, uh, in Cape Town, in Stellenbosch. Uh, I used to work and I started, actually, in the one in, in Joburg, in Amarantia. Um, the CSR's main mandate is to do research that's applied to improve the lives of South Africans. Uh, where we are right now, in terms of my office, it's in uh, UNIT. Uh, we, There's like a couple of units at the CSR. This unit is called modeling and digital science. And given that word, we do a wide array of things that's basically doing some kind of uh, at the end your modeling. Uh, So, one, uh, we have three uh, major areas information security, which is kind of why you're here, (laughs) Um, um, advanced mathematical modeling, and uh, mobile. Is Intelligent Autonomous Systems, which, MIAS, which is uh, actually robotics. So the, the building you're in is split up into that. You're on the side that's mostly information uh, security, which is kind of network and data security and um, biometrics. So the biometrics guys actually work with uh, Home Affairs, and they, they help come up with the spec for the current uh, smart cards. Uh, in the information security, we also have a, a, a group here which works on data science um, uh, research and machine learning research and also applications of data science to government
0: problems. And so I'm here, as you alluded to, because of information security. We had this conversation. In fact, uh, in, in last week's episode of the African Tech Roundup, we covered the fact that Russia basically shut down LinkedIn for not abiding by their laws regarding uh, having Russian citizen information or personal information hosted on Russian servers. They shut that down. I allu- <laughs> I, I guess they started with LinkedIn because they're pretty much a runt. As 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 far as you know, social media platforms are concerned, I have a feeling they're coming for the likes of Facebook and others. Um, but uh, and then I put out there, you know, you know, I'm not so sure. I haven't really applied my mind to thinking about whether this is an over an overreach and as far as Russia, you know, flexing its sovereignty or not. You reached out on social media and were like, well, you're not so sure it's an overreach in the context of you know the European Union. Uh, members in the European Union doing something similar. You sent me an article, which was fantastic, uh, one I can definitely recommend. We shared it on our Twitter. Uh, If you want to check it out, at African uh, Roundup, just find it there. A Computer World UK article that uh, enlightened me to the extent to which uh, EU partners are going to protect the data, well, quote-unquote, we'll talk about this, quote-unquote, protect the data of their citizens. So in your mind, it's only fair that Russia does the same.
1: Uh, Yeah, so... Like, it's not about defending country or not. Um, uh, So, especially where you are right now, we look at information security from the side of a citizen, right? You can look at information security from the side of the government. And that's kind of different. Uh, For us, we have our colleagues who work on the other side of the hill at the defense part who might look at information security from... Uh, the side of government or, or kind of uh, law enforcement. Uh, so when you're doing that, you're, you kind of have to start thinking, uh, if you have your personal information and you share it with somebody, how does the government make sure that it has policies that it protects individuals. So let me give us a simple example. Uh, When I was studying for my PhD in the US, um, because I was living in the US, and I I would sign up for services like my uh, cell phone contract, for example, and I was with a specific network there, and their information, their systems got breached. Because of the laws that apply to the United States and that company being there, they had to either find ways to compensate me if there was something, if there was actually going to be any losses that I suffered, and to also try to figure out how to protect me. So a lot of the times, breaches happen. If you hadn't noticed before, in America, people get free personal uh, information protection. There's companies that do uh, do that type of stuff, and that kind of response from companies. Is only available if your local laws actually apply to them. So now if I think about South Africa for example and your information got breached for whatever service that you're using and that service is actually based either in, the, in, in, in
0: Europe or in the US, you don't really have recourse. You've done an excellent job yeah. of not taking sides in the matter yeah. um, but also just pragmatically showing why it might benefit a, a, a citizen of any country that their government shows initiative in trying to protect their data security. I suppose it's difficult to discuss these issues without, you know, global politics yeah. filtering into the matter. And of course, this is Russia we're talking about, and perhaps uh, not, uh, I don't know, Sweden or Norway or some country that we don't associate with, like, a, a, a politically. Heavy presence in in global politics and that kind of thing, but let's put that aside because I like the train of thought you, you're giving us. So let's assume Russia follows through, and it's clear that they have the intent to to follow through on this mandate to 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 see that this law is abided by. They insist that any foreign company that has Russian citizens on their database host that content in on Russian servers. What is the implication from a safety point of view outside of okay? A recourse if there's a breach. What benefits are there to uh, a citizen? What benefits are there, say, to the cu- to the country as a whole?
1: Um, so the, the so uh, again, I'm going to use a South African example. Yeah, within this, so we just had the the Protection of Personal Information Act uh, be signed into law uh, by President Jacob Zuma, and it's got specific things about what should happen in the data, what the data that you collect, and how you should like you know you you are responsible for security, securing it as a company, and you should collect only the things that you need to collect and nothing more kind of thing. Um, so if something were to happen that contravenes that, in, as for, for me as a South African, I wouldn't be able to go to these multinationals and say, hey, you contravened this act in South Africa. Can you please please fix it? And maybe another analogous thing would be what happened when it came to um, kind of online shops. Remember before, you didn't get VAT charged. And then... You know, legislation passed that said digital goods. Because of the pull of the like, hey, we can do business in South Africa or some of the other African countries. We will make sure that VAT is added on there. It's the same kind of thing. People will abide to it as per when they see that they might actually lose out on the uh, on the market and for a lot of the african continent there's a lot of users for on, on these platforms and why aren't we then working towards actually having a discussion which is something where i have not yet seen even within like you know governments in south africa to discuss how you bring in and say hey uh, make sure the the, the 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 data is locally there so that we can then actually if there's local laws those actually apply to you because if we know there's been breaches, and every time they're announced, we look at them and we think they don't affect us, but they actually do. We would want to make sure uh, that our citizens are protected. On the other side, which is the flip coin, like you know, the flip of the coin, of this is we could look at a country like China, where a company like Google decided to, to to pull out. So if you're if you if if we're saying that maybe a government like Russia could go too far. But you had Google pulling out of China for the reasons where it was like, OK, it's fine that you want to have local restrictions, but the restrictions go further than what we as a company being Google are willing to go and would rather completely cut off the, 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 yeah, the relationship.
0: And I think when it comes to Russia and the specific cases we discussed last week, I think that's the automatic assumption that the only reason a government might go in this direction is because they want access to that information when they want it or need it, or they want to be in a position to put pressure on, on any given company. Uh, with a database of people they want to to access to, to they won 't be able to have access to it at any given time, but it 's not uh, i suppose' it 's not, it's not fair to assume that 's the case because you 've already made a decent case for for why it 's in, in the best interest of the citizen that said, I do sense that governments around the world, particularly in developing uh, nations uh, particularly on the continent, i think governments uh, around this LTE and 4G wave and, and, and this debate around licenses and, and, and dispersing them in South Africa, the, the white paper, the ICT white paper, and et cetera. I, I think governments are beginning to realize that they missed the boat maybe on some level uh, in terms of participating in the growth of mobile, which really has been the most... I think the, the mobile telcos on the continent now possess arguably the, the most valuable data sets on the continent, and governments are on the outside of that to some extent, with no paperwork that allows them or holds these people to account perhaps, uh, uh, to to the extent that we should and I suppose poppy in the context of this law that has come through in in south africa is the is a start, but I do imagine now I'm putting on the hat of of thinking for government and and being you know uh, sympathetic to their cause. If I was government and I wanted some sort of control, even from a national security point of view, this is a conversation we should be having, should, surely.
1: Uh, so earlier this week, I was in Kenya and in Nairobi for uh, the africhai conference. I, I was specifically there for a workshop on ethics in social media research. So one of the things we're looking at right now is something that might be kind of open data kind of for data science and doing uh, a lot of uh, analysis that's what we we do here with my team is the social media data because a lot of it is through open apis but at the same time we have to discuss um, um, uh, we have to discuss what are the ethics and the things we should be following in order to not uh, do harm and also protect the individuals who are within there because most of our analysis we're looking at the, the group the population we're not actually looking at you but at the same time, you can think about it and say, well, on the other side of this thing, you can do mass kind of surveillance. So now if we take social media to its limit, you've got the mobile telcos because they've got all of this data. Some of them, it's also, they, they also have access to payment systems where they know where there's mobile money and all those things. And that's a lot of information about people.
0: Pretty much the only thing they don't have is, is, is your blood <laughs> yeah, sample. Yeah, okay, yeah.
1: You know, they have a lot of that. And there again, yes, you are hoping that the discussion within government, it's about how do we set, set uh, like, you know, put together legislation that allows them to operate freely, meaning that the innovation continues and all that, that stuff, but then make sure that citizens also are protected from like, you know, any unscrupulous behavior that might happen. Because it's... I don't think things always start because somebody had bad intentions. Somebody might go and say, we want to build this new service. It's going to be great for why, like, you know, why reason? But then five years down the line, it's being completely misused by some other people within that company and then that's when the thing leaks out and everybody feels like oh it's evil and all those things but there must be ways that when those type of things happen that we can go back and say how do we fix this and at the same time you must make sure that the companies themselves go through procedures that actually secure so it's the same thing as in south africa phone numbers like one of the things that we hope poppy will start out is i don't know how many calls i've gotten today from unsolicited from people selling me stuff Right. And I will talk to, to, to MTN, who's my service provider, and say, please remove me for all, all of your, your lists or whatever it is. Every time somebody calls me, I say, but it never stops. I believe some of it is coming from the, from the, from the network operators. It's not just… It's definitely a revenue stream for them. <laughs> you see, exactly. And now it's a question of, fine, you can make money out of this, but does the user even know, really? It's fine if you say it's in the fine print, but do, do they understand that you're saying you're going to sell their personal information? To third parties, and if we were to go out outside CSR and stop by, um, by the traffic light and ask te- ten people who are just walking past, I'm pretty sure none of them will say they understand that that's actually what was going on when they signed up for a service.
0: Sure. So let so help me understand like practically the implications of say um, African nations following the footsteps of what European. Uh, nations have decided to do and what russia is clearly deciding to enforce in their country if we were to attempt to go toe-to-toe with that what would be some of the unexpected practical implications on day-to-day life maybe from a startup aspect in terms of the complexity of just starting something that that needs to adhere to to government principle or government laws would it have a knock-on effect on on the attractiveness of, it, of of this market as a destination for multinationals who are looking to do business here. What sort of things pain maybe early on in the short term might we expect if Africa goes in this direction as well?
1: So I, I can't speak as a, like, you know, from the law perspective, I'm not a lawyer. And then two, also the other one might be public policy. I think people might be, those type of people might be better suited for this. I can take a stab at it as saying that, one, it might be very interesting to see, like, you know, you hope some somebody like the, like the, um, the AU would be the ones leading of saying, let's standardize the terms across the continent. Because if we do that, it's easier. People, like, you know, companies coming from outside don't need to deal with, localization, loc- local different variations of this thing. And they'll just say, yeah, we know that we're dealing with um, a uh, block, uh, yeah, like, you know, African states and this is how they deal with things. And that's why I think also the EU went in as a as a as a block to say these are the the, the laws about personal information. And so as as a block, because you just need to look at that one legislation and then you know how to how to move forward. Uh, there might be ramifications for companies that store the data outside the country and might be, I'm not sure, might also be using that loophole of saying it's, I, the, the, peop, the person signs up for the service, we tell them that the data is going to be stored in a server in the US, and as such, we absolve ourselves from like, you know any responsibilities to local laws because we don't store anything on a South African server.
0: Okay, so now you've actually answered a question I had in my head as you were speaking. I was like, what, what is the biggest motivating factor for companies not to, um, ha- aside from the cost, of course, it must be just a mission, just to have to servers all over the world. But aside from the cost, w- why wouldn't companies be doing this anyway? And you've started to answer that question.
1: Yeah, you, you could have. That doesn't like, I don't want to say that's exactly what it might be because you I would have to go in through legislation and say, does it absolve you? Some might say as long as a company's headquartered here, it doesn't matter where the data is. You, are, you still abide by local law, but some places you might find that that's the case. I'm saying other countries on, on the continent, you might find that's the case that it absolves you of the data response, your security responsibility, because you're saying I don't store anything on here, or it's stored on Amazon, and I, I should I, I shouldn't worry too much about it. Um, it's um you have to be very careful about that. Also, on on the side, I think as a as an entrepreneur, if you're building something, yeah, because it it might just be a matter of time that something then does come in, and if you didn't follow proper procedure you still might get bitten. Like I'm trying
0: I'm actually trying to think of a startup concept that wouldn't require some form of database storage of of, of personal information. I'm having a hard time thinking of, of a startup concept that wouldn't involve that.
1: And and that's exactly the case, right? That it's become it's it's the norm now that you're going to be collecting some information. I had a very tough time in the morning today. I'm going to throw um trying to connect to the, like one of the free internet hotspots today and they had a thing where initially I I just used to be able to just connect with my uh, with my email, and I have an email that I just use for things like hotspots that don 't identify me uh, or, uh, further on, and then now they put in a requirement that they want the phone number to to do that and it was very like I looked at it it was trick it was uh, very clever. They ask you for the phone number and say they 're going to send you a, a text to do uh, authentication, but they actually don 't so just by saying "Go through," it then says yeah you 're fine you 're going through but then you can see that 's a little trick.
0: Yeah, a fairy, a fairy definitely died now this uh, this morning. Clearly, yeah, you see,
1: yeah, like you know, they, they, it's a little trick to catch your personal information, which means they're probably using it, as you said, as a revenue stream. We, we like you know um, uh, within there, so that type of stuff is like okay, fine. You take my information. If you do, uh, um, have you have you secured it uh, well enough? Because a lot of the times we're hearing Yahoo got ha- like you know got hacked. And how did it get hacked? You find out that there was a shortcut that somebody took. At one time, and it can't be just an oops anymore.
0: Goodness, and I mean, and and, and to be fair, I mean, we, we, we talk a lot about IoT and the and the massive potential risk it is as as the world continues to to you know surf this trend and everything. But we're we're not even getting the basics right, no. bruh.
1: Yeah, no, like uh, we look at IoT. We've had lots of discussions here with the rest of our kind of the team. There's like we have our our, our pen testers, our hackers who, uh, who work here, and we've had discussions about that of saying it's very odd. I, I was. Uh, like, you know, when IoT was becoming a thing, I was doing my PhD in machine learning, but uh, in the lab, we were working on uh, Wi-Fi connected devices. Before they became like, now you have lots of stuff way before then. And one of the things that you could see was like, okay, are we going to be interoperable? Two, you're going to have servers that are just sending stuff to houses and then houses are applying. And then once you start going through that, you're going like, hey, if somebody then hacks my coffee maker, my whole network is inside my house, is now vulnerable, right? And But then there is, again, like levels of abstractions way further than, again, the simple, you ask for my email address, you ask for my phone number. Some people are going to take your ID numbers, your passport numbers. Some people are going to take uh, your address where you stay and all those things, and they're going to put it somewhere. And when they get breached, you would like to know, too, you would also like, as I said, like, you also would like to know that they should communicate to you what they're going to do with that data very clearly at the beginning. Right. Instead of being like, fine, the time zone conditions that nobody reads. But you could change it and you could pass, um, like, you know, legislation that says anything that has to touch with A, B, C, D, E must be explained in very basic language and must be prominent when somebody's signing up for the service. Like that would change a lot of and, like whatever color coded saying that if it's like the 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 um the most risky type of personal information, it must be in red and bold right, and then anything else can be orange, and then if it's very like you know unlikely it might just be your your first name, they don't take your surname, maybe that's green like because that piece of information by itself if it were to to go away it it might not really identify you but then if you put all these things together, it's such a big like risk if it actually gets stolen.
0: You know, I just got a chill as you were speaking because I'm realizing, I mean, we've recently just covered how the the mobile networks are, the mobile networks are rolling out these big IoT networks. They're investing heavily in that area. You've got private companies doing the same and they're they're selling this huge big thing. They'll be selling into the security industry, the logistics industry. And we don't have laws protecting us on a basic level. Well, I mean, in the case of Poppy, at least it's a start, you know, as far as South Africa is concerned. But really, continent-wide, they're gonna know where i mean your i mean your kettle that's linked to or the brick in your house that's <laughs> is gonna be linked to data that's totally hackable and saleable and potential, and leaves you open for and so i i'm beginning to start i'm beginning to see for myself now as really as an enthusiast in the space like the 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 scale of the risk here it it's really as is huge isn't it
1: so like one of the things i maybe i, I should say. I'm a kind of machine learning researcher. I'm in data science. I love having data. Like, that's something, like, people might say, like, hey, I'm bashing. Like, uh, bashing the area and data is useful and it could be used for all these other things. It could unlock so many new industries. It can Right, My day-to-day is I have to deal with social media data. I deal with also personal information data that comes from places where I have to make sure it's secure. We have to have policies about how we manage our data here. Uh, when we get it, some might come from municipalities. Some of it comes from uh, private companies saying, we're looking at this, we're trying to solve X. Can you help us? Right. you know Some come from government departments. But we have to go through internal procedures to make sure that I'm not going to be tomorrow going back to a government department and saying, oh yeah, somebody got in and and, and took our stuff. So I love having data because that's what I do. I'm talking about information security here because we've had to think about this, even when we're doing our machine learning work, like to say, how are we going to make sure that we don't expose people? But then, yeah, now when you start going in and saying, okay, there's this thing, IoT, it's a bit of a wild, wild west at the moment. And like, you know, the, the, that, that, uh, other week where the whole like you know half the internet in the U.S. went down and they found out it was a like distributed attack using IoT devices. We kind of saw that coming. It wasn't
0: uh, like you know, <laughs> and, and, and you not know, you not know wasn't mentioned nearly as much yeah. is all the personal data that was linked to that attack. We we haven't we it was almost in fact it hasn't been covered at all. So we haven't even started to consider the 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 knock-on effect in in as far as exposure. Yeah. To to uh, as far as personal data is concerned, we, we really just talked about the fact that the, the internet went down.
1: Yeah, there a lot of people just looked at that. People aren't going like, hey, did the account information that's connected with the service? Because you might have signed up with whatever service provider for your IoT device.
0: Whose cameras did
1: whose cameras did they hack? To, to, to which traffic did they draw? It's not even that. I know, like a couple of years ago, there used to be a website that published um, what these Wi Fi cameras, their IP addresses, because a lot of the manufacturers were just opening up the. As soon as you connected to your network, it would broadcast and say, I'm here. And then, so there was a website, there was, I think it was a security man website, where they were just showing how bad this is. And you could just randomly go onto an IP and see
0: the person's house. That's insane, right there. You know what? Uh, this man, uh, your this man it has a meeting uh, <laughs> a, it, a few minutes away, and and I don't want to keep you from that meeting. There is no way we're not going to have to chat again, because I mean, you've raised so many issues. My mind is bursting. I probably sound uh, partially incoherent to our listeners, <laughs> usually. Uh, yeah, so um, that's because my mind is just racing because of some of the stuff you've raised, and we have to have this conversation again. Yeah, I look forward to it. Man, so, ladies and gentlemen, it is Dr. Wukosi Marilate, and it is doctor to you. Shout out to, the, to being a Fulbright Scholar, bro. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Yeah, man. So the, and the PhD is in uh, data science? In computer science, but with the focus, I was in machine learning. All right, man. Well, only the best for this show. Thank you so much for being here, bro.
1: Thank you.